Welcome to the For Love and Money podcast, the show where business and social purpose meet to inspire a movement for positive change. Here's your host, Carolyn Butler-Madden. I'm really pleased to introduce my guest today, Sarah Downey. Sarah is an accomplished executive and strategist with a particular talent for transforming, leading and activating purpose-led organisations. As CEO for the Shared Value Project Australia and New Zealand, she builds on 20 years experience in the for-profit and not-for-profit sectors to champion a better future for business and society collectively through shared value. Driven by the belief that corporate assets, resources and innovation can unlock unrivaled social progress whilst increasing business prosperity and sustainability, Sarah's committed to advancing a new kind of capitalism fit for the times. A member of the Shared Value Global Steering Com- Committee, she directs the SVP team to deliver the evidence, tools, education and inspiration required to make this urgent shift. Established in 2014, Shared Value Project has grown into a thriving and influential network of members including AIA Australia, IAG, NAB, PwC Australia, Nestle Oceania and Optus. Sarah, welcome. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. Me too. We've been sort of in each other's networks for a number of years now and um, the conversations we've been having are so aligned um, that that yeah I'm really I'm really keen for you to share um, some of your thinking and what's happening with shared value on the show. Now before we get into it um, I'd like to ask you a general question that I'm asking all of my guests. What does purpose mean to you and what is your perspective on this idea of love in business? Oh, I think that's a fantastic question. Um, and I, when you sort of told me about the love of money, it just immediately resonated with me because we're not two different people, are we? We're not one person at work and one person in our home life. You know, we, we need to love what we do um, and we need to connect what we do at work to the things that we're passionate about um, outside of work, whether that's family, our connection to planet, um, our community. So the idea that we should talk about what we love and how we make money just feels like exactly the right conversation to have. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. I, I, I knew we had a meeting of minds that first time and the language um, I guess we share shows that. So um, can you tell us um, a bit about your personal background, uh, you know, where you came from, what you were doing before and what led you to shared value today? Well, it's a bit of a windy road, I think, <laughs> uh, like many people who end up in this sort of purpose uh, space. I started my career actually in advertising, in brand uh, and, and I think we share sort of some, some love of brand um, from, from that time as well. But in that sort of time of my life, I was working with very big brands, you know, with, with Nike, uh, Telstra, Australia Post, Qantas, uh, and really sort of looking to understand their brand purpose was. Um, and back then that didn't really include a social purpose, to, to be honest. It was, it was a brand purpose. It was definitely a delivery back to customer. But this idea of having a role that was bigger than that just wasn't really part of the conversation. Uh, 
And for me personally, I think I just really felt like I was lacking purpose uh, and I went to find it uh, is, is the sort of honest, um, somewhat naive um, and feels a bit dorky uh, truth to the matter is I didn't feel um, that I was getting a whole lot of personal purpose. So I thought the answer to that was to delve into the not-for-profit sector. I thought that's where I'll find purpose, organisations that are for purpose, you know, really working and dealing um, with some of our more vulnerable um, and that's where I would find it. And look, I certainly did. Uh, I certainly found a great deal of inspiration uh, from working with the likes of Make-A-Wish and Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and then more recently at One Girl. But I also discovered in that journey uh, that, that there was a real role for business that was missing. Um, and that despite the passion and talents of the sector, they just really struggled to find the investment to unlock solutions that could be done at scale. So I went searching, I guess, for how business could have a role and what role should business have. And that led me to shared value. And that, yeah, that, that sort of revelation to you that business um, had a role to play in this and that it could bring something that the nonprofit sector couldn't bring. I'm, I'm interested in exploring that a little bit because I think so many people, I hear so many stories of people, particularly in the corporate world, who have become disillusioned and they want to go work for a nonprofit. And yet what you're saying is, Yes, you know, you got you 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 got a lot out of it, but but there was something missing there that you thought business could bring to the table. What what was that? Do you think? I had a penny drop moment actually, and um, I went to uh, and one of the authors good of Good is the New Cool. Aftal was doing a um, a good dinner in Melbourne, and to a big group of people, uh, he said. Whatever you do, don't leave your job if you want to find purpose. Um, use your job to 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 create purpose. And I thought, oops, I've I'm too late. I've I've already <laughs> done it. I'd already I'd already jumped into the not for profit sector. But it just it got me thinking that that how do we actually use? How do we go from within the system and use the tools of business to create change? What if we could take all of the assets and resources and IP and innovation of the private sector and actually use what it has, its strengths, um, its investment, frankly, and its scale? Uh, how do we use that to actually solve societal issues? Because at the end of the day, the not-for-profit sectors, they're the ones close to the issues. They understand the issues better than anyone, but they are so hamstrung by the old age investment vehicles um, that they're not truly able to really achieve the level of impact. And so something kind of needed to change. And so I, having seen it from both sides of the fence, I thought the not-for-profit sector needs different kinds of investment and the private sector needs to not redistribute their income in the form of, frankly, grants um, or um, short-lived projects. You know, it actually needs to use the weight of business to, to create change and uh, luckily for me, the idea had already been created and it had a name and a framework 
um, an existing group of companies that were already on the journey. Um, and so I realised that I could bring the two worlds together at Shared Value. Brilliant, which brings us to Shared Value and that's a, that's a great lead into it. So can you tell us, you know, who are Shared Value? How did they start and, you know, what, what does it offer members today? Well, Shared Value really started actually 10 years ago um, this year. So we are celebrating 10 years of this, you know, Shared Happy Value. Happy anniversary. <laughs> uh, so that's quite an exciting time. It's a good reflection time always when you come across a milestone like that. But just going back 10 years ago, I mean, the world was obviously quite different then. And it started uh, by Mark Kramer and Michael Porter, who were both um, Harvard professors, uh, very... Um, accomplished in their own rights. Michael Porter, anyone who's done an economics degree will know him from his five forces of competitive strategy. Um, and Mark Kramer really uh, coined collective impact. Um, he's a lot of work in strategic um, philanthropy. And so they really came together, um, as I said, 10 years ago with this idea that rather than businesses carving out 1%, if, if they're lucky, to a philanthropic foundation, uh, that they could do a lot more good uh, by actually thinking about their business models. And more than just do good, they could actually create growth and innovation by helping to think about the intersection of societal issues with their business. And so the idea and the reason why we call it shared value is that we're looking to create both value for society and value back to the business. And if we can do that, then we can actually create an investment vehicle that is scalable and actually creates a big impact. That's the idea anyway. Yeah, brilliant. And it, do you know, it, it goes to a question that I've been putting out a lot recently when I'm speaking or just talking to people or in, in social media. And it's a question that seems to resonate with a lot of people and it goes right to the heart of what shared value is about, I think. And the question is, what if business hasn't yet realised its true potential? You know, we've been, we've been travelling along this route for, what, 40, 50 years where the purpose of business is to make a profit and deliver a shareholder return. And it's ingrained in how we think, in how everybody thinks. But what if... What if it always had potential to be so much more? What if, you know, before Milton Friedman came along with his idea of shareholder capitalism, what if the route we were on there was in fact the right one and we took a wrong turn? Well, I think in essence, that's exactly what we believe with, with shared value. I, I think that the idea of capitalism itself is not necessarily broken. It's just the ingredients that we put into how the model itself works. So, you know, in some ways we talk about shared value as actually being the most ancient of, um, of concepts. That if you go back before Milton, you go back right to the beginning, business was created to serve society. It was created to fulfill an important community need just somewhere along the lines, we just got so distracted by making money. We got disconnected from the communities in which we operate or because our supply chains became far away. We became global organisations that weren't sort of rooted in any one place. 
we were sort of divorced from the impacts, the negative impacts that were created. So somewhere along the lines, we did just get a little distracted and money has a tendency to, to do that. And when Michael Porter and Mark Kramer kind of came to this idea of shared value, what they were hoping, to your point, was to incentivize um, and inspire business to get back to that kind of ancient idea by saying you're missing the opportunity of business. You're actually missing unlocking a whole lot of growth by not thinking about your broader set of stakeholders. So let's not do this just because it's a good thing to, to do, the right thing to do. Let's actually think about what it might mean if you actually take this societal lens to, to the work that you do. And there's some really fascinating examples, I think, coming out. Absolutely. And even, even their original um, HBR article, um, was it 2011 that it was published yeah. or, or something yeah. like that? Yeah. It's, I mean, it just, when I, when I read it, it just, it just blew my, it, it just opened up my perspective on the potential. And I think, you know, that article is just as relevant today as it was back then. And I'd love to include it actually in the show, in the show notes so people can have a read of yeah, um, where it all started. And it, is, and it is relevant. It absolutely is relevant. You, know, you can absolutely read it today and still feel like it's as fresh as it was 10 years ago. I'm not sure entirely what that says about how far we've come. But I think the difference is, and it's an important difference, is that I think the expectations now are different. So back then, 10 years ago, business was um, really facing huge trust issues. Um, and the expectation that business would have a role in society, that was a sort of a, a pretty extreme view that business should be taking a lead in helping to solve societal issues. That was government's role or, or the role of the NGO sector. Whereas today, 10 years on, that is definitely changing. The environment for shared value is definitely changing. I think there is much broader expectation that business should play a role, um, that it should step in uh, when government doesn't fix things or even take the lead. And I think the pandemic is an interesting example of that, where we've absolutely seen businesses take a lead role. So the environment has changed. The need for it sadly hasn't because we've got a long way to go to actually execute this strategy. But certainly the expectations um, and the, the momentum behind it, I feel, has changed. Absolutely. Expectations of employees, of, of consumers, customers, and even, even investors. Um, but you mentioned the pandemic, and I thought, you, you know, when, 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 the when, the, when the pandemic first happened, and we saw the response of business to it. I thought that showed something um, really interesting. I thought it showed that the natural inclination of business is to create, you know, help. When, when things are, when, when the proverbial hits the wall, that, mm -hmm. that, you know, that's how business responds. When things go bad, that's how they respond, which really goes back to that. Have we missed, have we missed that opportunity of what business could have been about all the time because we were misdirected in terms of what it should be? Yeah, I was going to say, I think the pandemic has shown us something, absolutely. It's shown us that we have more agency 
um, than perhaps we thought. It's shown us that we can move quicker than, than we ever thought that we could move. We're actually capable of great things. The challenge I think with some of the other big societal issues, those ones that have been around for a long time, the inequities, the climate risk, the problem with those is, you know, it's, we sometimes refer to them as the slow crises, is that they don't move as fast as something like a pandemic, and therefore we don't respond in the same way. And it's clear that when we have something that happens like a pandemic that, you know, really shows us that the crisis is on our doorstep, that we can change. The problem is, how do we get that same sense of urgency for these other slow crises that are, that are there, that are just as big and just as damaging. Um, and that's really where the opportunity for shared value can be created because the biggest, I guess, opportunity for innovation is when you get ahead of the crisis, when you actually get in and, and design solutions um, in a preventative uh, way. That's, that's where the biggest opportunity always is. If you're dealing with it at crisis point, you're probably dealing with it as a cost. Uh, and that's what we want to avoid as much as mm. possible. Brilliant. Is is it? Are you able to give us an example of an organisation who has actually adopted shared value to tackle some of those societal problems? There's, yeah, there's many, many examples, um, and they're wide ranging. Because when we talk about shared value, what we talk about is for any uh, for any company. We ask them to have a think about the issues that are most material to their business. And then we ask them to think about how, if they addressed that issue, uh, could they actually create um, opportunity? So one example, and you mentioned AIA Australia um, in your introduction, which is one of our founding uh, members. And it's a really easy example. So I'll start there. AIA, the health insurer and life insurer. So it makes sense, pretty clear sense, that if they can help keep their customers as healthy as possible, both mentally and physically, that that is going to be good for their business. That is the issue that is most material to their business. And so if they can help keep their, their members um, and their customers healthy, then that will obviously lower their, their claims. And so they do a whole lot of work, um, both in terms of their vitality product, which is um, all about rewarding um, physical and mental health uh, and they also work with um, uh, NGOs um, to really develop um, cancer support programs all designed uh, to obviously support their customers it's a great thing to do um, it's a good thing to do it's business at its best but it also is a very profitable thing for them to do and that's a conversation that I think we need to be more comfortable in talking about that you can do these things and make money, which I think I've just bought your for love and money, um, you know, headline back in. But but that is what shared value is about. Is that is it absolutely is something that AIA is passionate about. They love what they do. Uh, but yes, it is absolutely something that returns uh, for them. So that's probably a simple um, example for for your listeners to wrap their head around. Yeah, and. Um... And obviously, the closer it is to their core business, the more impact they can have in that area because they can bring all parts of the business to bear on, on that area of impact, can't they? Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, the examples uh, are 
wide ranging. So if you take an organization like Nestle, for example, very different from a health insurer, yeah. um, you know, a lot of the work that is most material and, and the societal issues that most impact um, their business are to do with their supply chain um, and, the, and agriculture, uh, effectively their food supply. So by working with their by with working with farmers and helping them with their sustainable practices, then they're actually uh, not only, obviously, working towards big societal issue um, in terms of uh, climate change, but they're also um, vastly improving um, their own uh, food security and and shoring up those supply chains in terms of the quality of produce. So there's very very clear answers when you can find the issues that are that are material um, to the business and and that's really the first place that we look to to create and then it's really innovative ideas so uh, there's an example uh, we um, talked uh, at our showcase um, that we had at our summit just a couple of weeks ago which is from HSBC in Hong Kong and they created a specific product, which was called No Fixed Address. So they found that they had a really significant number of uh, people in Hong Kong that didn't have a fixed address, that weren't necessarily homeless, but were couch surfing or in insecure housing conditions. And if you don't have a fixed address for more than a couple of years, then you can't get any kind of uh, bank account, um, let alone a loan, uh, but you can't even get a bank account or a transaction account. So they worked with all the major NGOs in Hong Kong and actually used the address of the NGOs and the relationships that they had with these individuals to create an address and then create a whole product designed for a cohort that had never had access to financial services before. So that's a completely different example, but you know, one that now you know, you can see has a really strong return, both uh, financially for the bank, but, but a really big societal issue that they're helping. I love with. that example. And, and I'm curious to know, um, was it just something, you know, an insight that they un uncovered about their customers or people who couldn't become customers because, because of this issue? Or was it aligned to H HSBC's purpose? What, do you know what their purpose was? Yeah, look, I think that's it's a really great question because shared value can come from either side. I think there are definitely examples where it's come from a pain point of the business, where the business needs to solve a particular issue, and in doing so, they can create value both both back to society and for their business. And then there are absolutely what I call issue first um, shared value examples, where the issue becomes very apparent to the yeah. organisation and the employees. Uh, get very passionate behind that issue um, and look to create um, a solution that is actually going to be um, profitable to their company. So it's at no risk of ever being um, uh, deinvested. Um, and so I think that example with HSBC, I'm not entirely sure what led it. I wouldn't be surprised if it was led in that example from a, from a passion and a relationship that they had with NGOs. Um, and I would fully encourage that if, you know, mm. if that's the case. There's again, sort of putting my, my previous kind of NGO hats on, I know that the biggest risk that we have to programming is that the investment will suddenly go. And if you're relying on brands, then, you know, the risk is that at some point that will just get cut off. So if companies can find 
profitable models to yeah. support those needs, then all of a sudden they become far more stable and secure. And also using their their expertise and their ability to innovate to to actually seek solutions that might not already exist. So it's not always just about raising funds, you know, to donate to a non-profit. It's about solutions, isn't it, um, that create Ab- impact? Absolutely. And I think, you know, another example of that um, by one of our members, Optus, um, they have a Donate Your Data program, which, you know, you could um, say, oh, you know, that, that sounds like a CSR program where they donate, uh, whereas customers can donate their excess data um, to, um, to vulnerable cohorts. Um, but, you know, if you think about that with a shared value lens, what they're actually doing is they're finding a way to service a big cohort that might otherwise be unprofitable uh, for them, at least on the outset. And they're making sure that really vulnerable cohorts actually have um, uh have communication um, and have a device and means um, and a stable account that won't get cut off because they can't one month before their their bill. And they're providing that security um, in a way that has never been received before. And they're treating that cohort as just as regular customers as they would anyone else. So you can actually build that respect and that relationship um, and then work with those groups to, to a point Um, where they can come on board as Optus customers. And I think that's a really fantastic blended approach from what was probably a CSR initiated to something that actually sees this as a a business opportunity down the track and a really important one at that. Yeah. um, I've been using a term that I, I discovered through a um, a company who who are in negotiation, trusted negotiator, and um, they use the term win with. I think in their mm-hmm. industry they've they've actually trademarked it. And what I loved about it was, you know, it goes from this idea of of win lose. There's got to be a winner and a loser. And you know, if I'm just going for as, as much profit as I can, then someone's going to lose from that. It moves from win lose. It goes beyond win-win, where you try to seek mutually beneficial outcomes, to a win-with, which you know is about making the pie bigger. So win-lose and win-win still talks about a, a limited pie that everyone has access to. Win-with is about creating solutions that make benefits greater for everybody. And I, I think that's the kind of... Um, society we need to move towards with more people thinking about win with and businesses you know they have the means to think like that and think innovatively to create those kind of solutions I love that I've never heard of win with before but I'm going to steal that um steal away I already did (laughs) I think that's exactly right and and I think you know when we, we we know everyone's talking about you know we don't want to build back the way it was we want to build back different and so I do think that this is a really it's a really important time uh, for all of us really in society to think about the kind of society that we want to live in uh, and it's not the way it was I mean the pandemic and climate change has changed us 2020 has changed us forever we, we're not going to go backwards we don't want to go backwards so it does create an opportunity to decide what the future does look like 
and it is an exciting time, I think, for business. And what's been really encouraging, I guess, from the Shared Value Project and particularly our members and enthusiasm from new members coming on board is that they're using this momentum. They're actually using everything that's happened to create something new and something better. And, you know, the fear was that it, it might have gone the other direction. People might have gone much more into protective mode and it doesn't feel like they have, or certainly not the organisations that are talking to us. They're really re-engaged with, with their people in a way that they've never been before. And I think that's helping to get reconnected with the issues that are important to people. So I don't know. I feel really optimistic, actually. So do I. So do I. And look, I, I am I am a huge optimist, but it's changed. I've been banging this drum, as you know, for uh, quite a few years now, and something has definitely changed. Um, and it's accelerated. And, yeah, I think the genie is out of the bottle and mm. people are seeing, you know, that change is possible, e- even going from, you know, office working to remote working is something that would have taken a decade for us to get to, to the level we're at now. And yet it happened instantaneously and, you know, it, it worked. It can work. There are issues, but it can work. So it begs the question, what else can we change? What can we change you know, what can we change gradually, but what can we also change radically because some things need radical change. We need to shift quickly. Yeah, and I think so 10 years on from Shared Value, we heard from our co-founder at our summit a couple of weeks ago and, you know, he did give us a bit of tough love um, in, in, in his talk uh, to, to, the, to the summit audience. And he really did fire, I think, put a bit of a fire in, in, in all of us to say, you know, we actually need to do better. We, we actually need to do more and we need to do it more quickly. You know, this is not a radical idea that business needs to have a role. Um, business does need to have a role. It has probably one of the biggest opportunities, really, if we think about the size of the private sector, um, to actually shift the needle. Uh, we have enormous societal issues that need solving. So it's great that there's momentum, but we just need to get there faster. Um, And I think that that's, I'm absolutely optimistic. I'm feeling good. But he did give me a little bit of a wake up call as well to say, you know, we can't just play around the edges here. We actually really need to get in and and make some change uh, because unfortunately, these societal issues and pandemics is just one um, are getting bigger and more fierce uh, and you know really it is time for this change and that's where collaboration comes in doesn't it you know um, organizations people companies who wouldn't normally collaborate who might think of each other as competitors there there is a need and an opportunity for collaboration across a whole range of sectors and and companies um, to address the urgent needs we've got to address. Um, so with that in mind, can you tell us about your new initiative, The Purpose Playbook? Because I, I think that could be a game changer um, here in Australia and obviously it's also happening globally. So, yeah, could you tell us a bit about it? 
Yeah, I'd love to. So I guess we developed the Purpose Playbook to respond to the fact that we thought well, business wants to do this. Business wants to wants to find its purpose. It wants to have a purpose that that is bigger than itself um, and connected back um, to society. Increasingly, the desire is there, um, the intent is there, but what we hear is that businesses struggle with how to actually do that. And so we developed the Purpose Playbook as a, um, as a playbook uh, and as a learning cohort that we run that is really helping to uh, start, start at purpose, um, which I know you will love, um, and work from purpose using shared value as the how. So if purpose is your why, think about shared value as your how. So just giving you that framework to say, if this is your purpose, let's actually look at the issues that are most material to how you're going to deliver on that purpose. Let's use innovation, let's use partnerships, because that's a really big one. Let's understand what we're trying to measure. Um, and it works in a peer group um, through um, a number of, um, of, of workshops that hope <laughs> and, um, and help to, to land um, you know, the, the concepts of shared value in a really practical way because that's the missing link I think now is just helping people to do it, get on with it. And I think, I think that's so exciting because I, I, I feel there are, I don't feel, I know there are so many uh, businesses in corporate Australia, particularly, who have a purpose statement and they think their job's done. You know, they've got a purpose statement. It gives context to their current products and services. Maybe it gives them a little bit of room to move with that, but but it, it it's not changing the way they think. Mm -hmm. They are still thinking about, you know, how do we deliver maximum profit and, yep, yeah, there's our, our purpose statement on the wall, on our website, wherever it may be, and, and that's it. It's passive. It's not creating any action. And, you know, what you're doing with the Purpose Playbook, what Shared Value does um, beyond that is embed it into the organisation, get the organisation thinking differently. And it's when they start doing that that I think the light bulbs start going off because, oh, it, it, yeah, there's so much value to be gained and, um, and yeah, it's, it's bringing that value to life. Um, so can you, I know it's difficult to do it on a podcast without mm -hmm. the visuals, but can you give us a sort of basic premise of um, leading with purpose and the purpose playbook? Yeah, so I think the, probably the best way to, to describe it is if we start, with it with a purpose of an organization and at the shared value project we don't um, tell you how <laughs> to what your purpose should be but we certainly challenge organizations on whether they have a purpose worth having um, so it needs to be a purpose that is relevant you know and that that might sound obvious but you'd be surprised so not looking for fluffy statements but looking for what is the role of your business um, it, for your community? What, what do you deliver? What do you serve? Um, and what role are you help, hoping to play? Because there's no point um, existing unless you actually serve um, a purpose. And increasingly, we know that that is the expectation of employees and, as you suggested, as customers and even investors are looking for that higher order purpose. 
But then let's let's break that down and let's actually understand how that contributes to your strategy. So the first thing we do in the purpose playbook is we, we then talk about how that purpose relates to the strategy of the organisation. So when we're talking about shared value, we're not talking about a siloed department off to the side. Uh, we're talking about how the whole organisation really brings that purpose to life. Um, and that has to be done you know, the whole way through the organisation. So we delve into strategy. Um, and we also delve into culture because strategy and culture are completely intertwined. Um, you know, even an argument about what leads what, whether culture leads strategy or strategy leads culture, is a conversation probably for a whole nother podcast and a whole nother day, but a fascinating one. So we delve into the role of, of culture um, deeply as well. Um, and, and then we move through kind of, I guess, the, the pillars. Um, of shared value um, and as I suggested one is about looking at those issues that are material um, it's about looking at your innovation process because in a lot of ways shared value is really just an innovation strategy that says that you can find new opportunities whether it's products or services or new opportunities within your value chain um, to create value for your organization whilst, whilst also solving society's issues at the same time um, and then it works through um, uh, operations, so how you actually operationalize shared value, which is, uh, again, not a small component, uh, but when you're trying to retool an entire organization, there's specific operational structures that help uh, to get it moving across an organization. And then we talk about things like uh, HR, communication, um, um, uh, what kinds of people you need, um, and that's not about specialists in shared value. That's about, again, kinds of people throughout your organisation um, that you need in order to embrace um, becoming a shared value organisation. Now, obviously, the way I've talked about it suggests that the entire organisation is going to be retooled from day one. Um, and in most cases, that is not the case. In most cases, it starts with a pilot idea, testing the waters, proving it, um, measuring it, refining it and then taking back and, and scaling that idea. But if, but if people can walk away from doing something like the Purpose Playbook with an tangible idea of how shared value works in their organisation, they're much more likely to take that inspiration and actually do something with it. So that's what we're trying to do. And do, do you, um, how deeply do you involve um, different areas of the business within this like do you tend to work with a leadership team do you work um, with different department heads how how does it normally work so typically the way it works is often we have someone from the sustainability or social impact or that whatever that team is called within an organization they're often the ones that are sort of championing shared value they're the ones that kind of see it as the real unlocker uh, within their organization. They're often the ones, you know, kind of waving the flag for us. But then they recognize that in order to really create shared value, they need the business itself to be on board. So what, what we task them to do is to bring someone from the business. So from strategy or from operations, from product development, different organizations will have different people. Um, but they come together and they work in pairs. 
um, so that they can bring uh, something specific from the business as well as that kind of social sustainability lens to the conversation. Um, and that's when we're running it as a peer group. We also run it as a dedicated organisational uh, purpose playbook cohort as well. And that would include people from across the organisation. So think your heads of and leads of, um, of people and culture, your brand and marketing leads, um, your sustainability leads, uh, a strategy lead. Um, and again, that's a different way of running the cohort, but that's a really interesting way to do it when we want to really, when an organisation wants to embed it across um, the entire organisation. So we run it in those two ways. Yeah, brilliant. And so you're going to have peer groups, what, through the year? Are you going to do a few groups across the year? Yeah, that's right. So we really just take expressions of interest, um, which we take on our website. Um, and then depending on the nature of, of what that organisation needs, we then decide whether we think a peer group is the best way for them to start or a sort of a dedicated organisational focus. Um, and we'll be running those um, a couple of times a year. Brilliant. So if somebody is listening to this and they're interested and wanting to know more, um, where should they go? Do they go to their website? Do they contact you? Do they contact somebody else? So they go to our website, just shared mm -hmm. value. Uh, .org.au um, there's a purpose playbook um, tab um, and in there there's an expression of interest form and of course they can always just contact me directly as well. Brilliant and when when are you kicking off? Um, so at this stage we're looking at a September cohort start so we're just again we are very we're trying to be very careful about the design, about the group that, that comes together to make sure that it's a really good peer learning. Um, so yeah, at the moment, we're just designing a September one, but we'll also have one starting in the new year as well. Okay, I can't believe we're talking about the new year already, but anyway. I know, I know it's crazy. And you know, you, you talked about culture and strategy being a whole new discussion and the purpose playbook. So maybe what we do is we get you back on the show um either towards the end of the year or early in the new year and um and pick up this conversation and see how the first uh, peer group cohort has gone and um and yeah dive a little bit deeper into the people and culture section i'd love to of course anytime have me back <laughs> i will count on it um so look Thank you um, for, for coming on and sharing a little bit about shared value. I know there's so much more about it, but I'm hoping it, um, hoping it whets the appetite of people. I know I, I talk about shared value quite a bit. Some people have heard about it and don't know, you know, don't, don't really know what it's about. Others know it straight away. Others haven't heard of it. And then you mention Michael Porter and Mark Kramer, and they go, oh, yes, that, um, that, that article. But I think what you're doing is just, it's so vital and, you know, embedding purpose into organisations in meaningful ways, getting them to think about their value chain, their operations, their strategy, how they can deliver real value um, that is needed. It's, it, it couldn't have come at a more appropriate time. Um, and I hope this um this this episode this interview gets people wanting to know more 
and um, going to your website and, um, and learning about the Purpose Playbook as well. Um, so to finish, I just want to ask you a final question. Again, it's something I'm asking everybody. And that is right now, today, it's 2021, right? We have nine years until 2030, um, which is the target date for the Sustainable Development Goals. We are the generation that actually have the ability to do something about our future. We get that choice. How we choose determines whether future generations will have that choice. Um, and if we don't do anything, then obviously younger generations, just they're simply not gonna have that same choice that we have. So with that in mind, um, and I know that sounds doom and gloom, but it also has opportunity baked into it. What is your message to um, your fellow leaders in business? That's a big question. Um, and I, I feel divided. To, to be honest, um, I feel divided on on my level of um, how optimistic I am and then how worried I am. And I, and I know those two things are not meant to live together, but they kind of do. And maybe that's a good thing. So I think, you know, my message is that we do have more agency than ever before. We've proven we are capable of big change and we can do it quickly. 2020 has taught us that we don't want to go backwards. We shouldn't go backwards. And so now we have this great moment in time where we can decide to do things differently, but we do have to make that choice and we can't talk about it. We just have to get on with it. So I encourage your listeners to join the community, which I know you're a part of um, and we're a part of with the Shared Value Project and all of those organisations, whether they are government, not-for-profit or private sector companies who actually decide we want to create a different future and have a go because I don't think that there is, There's not something we don't know yet, you know, like we know what we need to do. We're not waiting, um, or at least we shouldn't be waiting for another piece of information to come. We have the ingredients that we, that we have, and now we actually just need to create. And I think that's exciting. And I want to be optimistic and maybe use the worry and the fear just to create that sense of urgency that we need. Brilliant. Thank you. And if someone, if someone still after that goes, yeah, but it's just too big, you know, it's my voice alone. I'd like to do something, but it's just too big. Um, the people I'd need to convince, it's too hard. It is big, but the examples, when I think about the examples that have really sparked in shared value they've always been created by one person and not necessarily anywhere near the ceo like one individual thinking things can and should be done differently and that one of the first case studies that we ever had at nab 
was one individual in the customer care department who thought we should not be approaching loans in in the way that in defaulted loans in the way that we have that that we need to wrap our arms around these customers and do things differently and they completely and utterly changed the nature of the whole way that NAB thinks about people who default on their loans which was years old case study and came to life in a whole new way through the pandemic as one individual in a call center so I think we can't let that go we can't say it's for someone else it actually has to be for us absolutely and individuals have to act and if you join the shared value community you'll find yourself amongst other like-minded individuals who can share their experiences and insights and together that collaboration can create change it certainly helps to do it as a as a team I think anything is easier to do with other people um, and that's, that's what we're here for. Wonderful. Thank you, Sarah. If people want to contact you, um, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, they can um, just come in through, through our website. Again, we have all our contact details, both email and phone numbers on um, our website, which is sharedvalue.org.au. Brilliant. I will include that in the show notes. Thank you for joining us on the For Love and Money podcast. Um, really, really appreciate you taking the time and, um, and yeah, sharing your journey and telling us about shared value. Thanks, Sarah. I've loved the chat. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the For Love and Money podcast. If you'd like to take a deeper dive into the purpose movement, visit us at thecauseeffect.com.au. And remember... Doing good is good for business. So if you're not doing good, then what are you doing?